Why, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going, whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners. It's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So... I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, rocker for life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned. Today's episode features Vinny Stigma. This interview took place in March of 2013, right after his Stigma record for Love and Glory came out. He is, of course, the guitarist in Agnostic Front. And I guess one of the founding members of that stalwart New York hardcore band. And I'm surprised that I didn't create a podcast episode from this interview. It just slipped by me. There is a portion in the interview where he talks about New York Hardcore Tattoos. I'm not sure if he still owns that shop. And the shop is still around. So either way, hey, and I will plug a powerhouse tattoo in Montclair, New Jersey, a tattoo shop that I used to own. Go see them. They're fabulous, too. Let's talk to Vinny. My guest today is Vinny Stigma, and you are somebody who almost needs no introduction, but would you like to give yourself an introduction today? Everybody, I'm Vinny Stigma from New York Hardcore Tattoos, Agnostic Front, Madball, the godfather of hardcore. How you doing, Diane? I am doing quite well. Thanks for coming on the show with us. And you seem to leave out what I think the most current thing that's going on with you is, which is stigma. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's really stigma. I forgot about that. It's a Vinnie Pavarotti now that I'm a singer in a band. Do you wear, like, the bow tie? Uh, yeah, well, you know, like a Rico Palazzi, yes, I do. <laughs> So tell us what's going on. What's the most recent thing happening with stigma? Well, 
I just dropped my album the other day. We had a show at Redeeming Social Value, Two Man Advantage, and a, a band called No Dice at the Bowery Electric. It was really great. We had a great time. Everybody was it was really awesome. And I heard that the show that, that you are sort of, uh, you're introducing a younger generation of people to Stigma's music. I you heard know, I, uh, I'm very current. And I have a lot of music in me. You know, I, I've been writing music, you know, I, I've been playing with Agnostic Front for 30 years. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really in tune to what up, you know? So I think, you know, I, I got a, a somewhat of a handle on things. And what was your reaction to seeing as many children in the audience as there were? It was great. It was an honor to vibe with stigma. It's so much fun. I haven't had... It's so much fun. And my aunt, like, I, I couldn't believe, like, everybody was singing along. Everybody was having such a great time. It was really an event. Hardcore, you know what I mean? I yell at my band and my last. It's fun, you know? It sounded like it was a really good time. What is your uh, past or present, your favorite New York venue? Well, I tell you right now, the Valley Electric was pretty cool, you know. You know, I'm, you know that's probably the only venue. And then, of course, you got like uh, Webster Hall, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, of course, my main one was CBGB's. God rest its soul. Yeah, it was a different time, you know. There was like before the cell phones and laptops and computers, and you know, before like you know, music got torn in so many different directions. It was a time of danger. It was a time of like, you know, it was like New York, black and white. It was really awesome. I'm, I'm glad I experienced it. And in the, uh, let's say, 30 years in terms of your career or how long you've been doing music, what have you gotten to do um, that you never thought you would? Well, uh, go to Siberia, go to Japan, wow. you know, go to Africa. You know, like who, who would ever think that? Staying inside the Roman Colosseum on top of the Eiffel Tower, uh, you know, so things like that amaze me. And the thing is, when I went to, 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 to the Colosseum, I was walking around there, and they got like those Roman guards that take pictures with you, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I hear, yo, stigma! And I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I see this Roman like soldier coming towards me. He's like, baby! And I couldn't believe it. So I go back and I tell my friends, that I was with Agnostic Front, so I go back and I tell the stigma band, and they know I'm a little bit of a windbag, and they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. I get there with stigma band, and I'm like at the Coliseum, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's around here somewhere. And I'm looking, and they're all going, get out of here. All of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere. Stigma! And we pictures, and I said, see? Never doubt Vinny Stigma. That's so funny. I can't imagine that you would have ever thought that that would have happened while you were, let's say, recording United Blood. Uh, no way. You know, I never did that, but uh, I always felt that I would be like a tri-state rebel, let's say. And if you weren't doing music, what would you be doing? Probably being the mafia, killing people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a movie, New York Blood, a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm doing part two right now, and it's like kind of like a B-rated soprano. I go around, you know, I do things in the movie. I do things, you know? Oh, yeah. I hear you do things. Well, that's good that you can act that out and get that out of your system. 
Yeah, I know. I'm glad. Thank God. <laughs> How long ago did you start playing guitar? Well, I was 14 years old when I started, when I got my first electric guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, I had acoustic guitars before that, and I was, like, kind of young. And I used to get them, and then, like, like within three or four days, I would, like, just smash them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking now, these were probably expensive guitars today, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, that's, I always wanted an electric guitar. And then I finally got one. It was a Fender Mustang, and I, of course, two heroes of mine when I was young, Bruce Lee, Jimi Hendrix. Mm. I love those two guys. Wow. Because I figured I, I put the combination together, make hardcore, be called the toughest guitar player around. So like, I put those two into one entity, and that's what I came off. That makes perfect sense. Now, you said you have an influence on a lot of the younger people. What do you think that the future of hardcore looks like? Well, it looks pretty good because I, I see a lot of great bands, you know, out there, you know, because I'm involved with uh, Black and Blue Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's com every Tuesday night, 8 to 10. We, we play hardcore music. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with my friend, Cousin Joe, you know, I'm in tune very much because I'm, so, I'm on the radio myself a lot. Mm-hmm. And I help DJ and I'm guest appearance on the radio and I support the radio stations, you know. Radio Free America, baby. So you see a lot of response then? Yes. I'm that guy that goes to see that band that nobody goes to see. I'm that guy Mm -hmm. in the corner. I'm a real fan, you know? What new bands in the area, well, not even in the area, but what new bands do you like? Well, Live Fast, Die Fast from uh, Long Island. Really great, man. Reason to Fight, they're great. Another... Uh, Let's Call Brawls had a brand new album out. Uh, it's a pretty cool record, you know. Band called No Dice, up and coming band, you know. You know, of course, in the old school, my old school friends like No Redeeming Social Advantage and uh, Tomato Advantage, you know, No Receiving No Social Value, and uh, you know, they, we all get along with Stigma and just have a good time, you know. A lot of good bands out there. Take a fan, flying hard from the West Coast, you know. I could go on, you know, and. You know, a lot of you kids out there that are out there playing a band, you know, take your time, do it, man. Have a good time doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Just get to rehearsal a lot of time and bring something to rehearsal with you. Bring a couple of riffs with you. Bring, bring what to rehearsal? A couple of riffs. You know, oh, a couple, a couple of, of riffs. riffs you know? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I think the phone cut out at that, at that point. What's the difference for you when you're doing Agnostic Front and when you're doing Stigma? Well, I have a lot more freedom with Stigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more free, so like I could do oi, I could do rock, I could do, uh, you know, like punk. You know, with uh, Agnostic Front, it's like hardcore punk. It's a lot more militant, you know what I mean? It's heavier, it's louder, it's faster. But with Stigma, it's a lot more free, you know? It's more carefree, kind of a lot more fun in a way, you know? So it's not as dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say the new record is really a lot of fun. Oh, thanks. It's Yeah, it's it's great. It sounds more cheerful. Yeah, right. That's a good one. It is more cheerful. How long did it take to make the record? Well, we did it in phases. I did it with uh, Lars Fredrickson, helped me from Rancid. He wrote a couple of songs and uh, did some production. Phil Gavano from Monster Magnet, you know? Yasser from Hatebreed. You know, they're all behind me in this project with Stigma, and they'll always be there because they're my friends. That You know, they want to see me do good and help me out. And uh, that's pretty cool to have a team of guys like that, you know, along with the band. You know, my gal and my guitar player, Sean Kilkenny and Larry the Hunter, 
and I got a young drummer, Luke Rhoda, you know. My little Frank Sinatra character coming to play, you know. <laughs> I think we've got something going on over here, you know. What's the label that uh, For Love and Glory is released on? Well, in America, it's Dirty Mick Records, and in uh, Europe, it's uh, Sunny Bastards. Okay. I'll be on tour in Europe on May 2nd with Stompin' 98 and Old Firm Casuals. We're mm-hmm. touring Europe for a month on, a, on that tour. Then I come back, I, I get Agnostic Front, and we go out there and we play the festival season with Agnostic Front. And I'm writing a new album with Agnostic Front, and I should drop it at the end of the year. So I'll drop two records this year, one solo, one with Agnostic Front. That's a very busy year for you. I got a lot of music in me. I'm very blessed. God's been good to me. Music's been very, very good for me. <laughs> I'm a very musical guy, you know. I, I always make fun. I always sing songs. My whole family was, you know. And I think if you don't care about singing out of tune or singing from your heart, I think there are always, as long as there's a song in my heart, I'll be free. That's really cool. Where's your favorite audience, Vinny? You know, I don't care. You know, <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. I love it all. I'm, I'm, my own fa- I'm my own audience. I don't care. What's going on with uh, New York Hardcore Tattoos? Well, we're, uh, we're, we're film- they're filming a movie in it today. I had to close the shop down today because they're, they're filming some kind of movie or commercial. So uh, it- wrapping up about 4 o'clock, and maybe we'll open up for a couple appointments. But, yeah, we've been, you know, booked up. Uh, you know, it's a place where kids could come get their black and blue tickets, you know, for hardcore shows, or we have a bulletin board, or, you know, we sell T-shirts and records there. I do the stigma thing there. I tattoo out of there every now and again. Okay. Laws tat- from Rancid Tattoos out of there. We have guest uh, tattoo artists. We're, gonna, we're trying to get Toby to come down from H2O. You know, just do like an X, like novelty tattoos, you know? Yeah. I do like the New York hardcore. Laws does the skunks. Skins, punks, and drunks. Right. So you'll like make it H2O or X or something. Just, mm-hmm. you know, so you come down and meet and greet, get tattooed. You know, we give them a package with T-shirts and stickers and posters. Oh, that's neat. Pictures. You know, make a day out of it. You know, I'll give you coffee. I make the best coffee for everybody. Aha. Uh-huh. It's really at ease. It ain't like, you know, you're going to walk in a place and somebody's going to look at you with a lot of tattoos and they're wearing leather pants and eyeliner. Right. Attitude. You come in, you're more than welcome. You know, you're one of us. And that's what I like about my shop. It, it's, a, it's, it's us. I can hear that. I can hear that you operate from street level and from your heart. Right, exactly. And that's what it should be, you know. Nobody's above anybody here. Is there anything that you can think of that you witnessed in the early hardcore scene that could never happen in music now? Well, a lot of uh, the violence, CBGBs itself, the whole story of CBGBs, you know, like I said, the danger, the element, the fights that, you know, people used to, well, in front of CBGBs, we used to fight a lot, you know, like with the crackheads right above. Oh, yeah. Uh, bikers, you know, the kids. Like, here, I'll give you a story. What You know, we hanging out outside CBGBs, and these crackheads would throw things from bottles down at us. So one day, I got fed up. I, guess I grabbed about 10 guys. I said, yo, you guys come with me. I went up. I went up to the thing. I gave everybody a beating. It never happened again. I don't think that could happen anymore. I think I'd go to jail not today for that. Probably. Stand up for what you believe in, you know? 
Well, and that's the thing. That's why I wasn't too crazy for that uh, occupied movement down there. I, I wasn't getting with these people, you know? Cause it was hard for me. You know, I stand next to this guy, he's playing chess, and I kept going to him, Queens level three, Queens to Queens level three. You know, I was I started marching around. I'm like, these people suck, you know? <laughs> I thrown away from them and they're, they're latte coffee and they're flicking I was just in South America on uh, October 11th. There was an earthquake that day. Mm-hmm. I played that day. And we, there was a riot at my show. I was out there with the kids fighting the cops. They fight the cops out there. I'm talking oh, about yeah. tear gas and everything like yep. that. I picked up a can of tear gas and I threw it and I burned my hand. But you know what? I threw it back. You ain't going to mess with us. And especially back in the CBGB's days, the music that we were involved in was seen as a threat. And now music really isn't. It's sort of a commodity, and there's different things that people think. I remember police just, oh, why don't you guys get out of here? And, and right, right. we were causing a problem. I got arrested from CBGB so many times for drinking a beer, you know? And I mean, it, that now, you know, with the music, you talk about, like, that's a threat. Look at the stupid things like the whole and, this, and that other stupid dance last year with that guy, the, the Korean guy. You know, it's like stupidity. <laughs> we stand for something. We believe in something. This is social, political, moral. You know, people just don't get it. So what do you think happens to old hardcore? Because I'm, I'm fast-forwarding, like, where are you going to be in 30 years? Well, I'm, I'm happy with my... I want to still be writing music, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I teach music to old people, and I like to teach to young kids. You know, I would love that. I, I would do that for selfish reasons, because when they grow up and they become guitarists, and people say, hey, would you learn how to play guitar? I want them to tell them, Benny Stigma taught me how to play the guitar. <laughs> and, you know, so yeah. I, I, I like giving back. I, I run a business, you know, I maybe open up another tattoo shop, maybe take a vacation, mm-hmm. go golf, and I don't know, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, in either way, you're making an impact, you're ma- and you're making really a lasting impact, and that's that's what I see, you know. Oh, you're the guy who's but, been in New York and, and has, has done it on, on all different levels. Somebody in your band told me to ask you about Johnny Thunder's meatball recipe. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was just talking about that the other day. You know, me, I used to hang out with Johnny Thunder's and like back in the old days, okay, let's just say, let's say mid, early, mid-70s, somewhere around there. Give me a year or two. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Many years later. Picture this. Put it on the corner. Vinny Spigler. Johnny Thunders and Frankie Cadillac talking about making meatballs. <laughs> you know who led that conversation? You know who started that conversation was me. I love it. I tell that story all the time because it's something that I just love doing, like just making conversation with anybody. When I walk around at a hardcore show and I see somebody and they're like kind of by themselves, I'll go over and I'll pat him on the back and I'll say, what's going on? Who's up next? I'll make a conversation. You see, I won't stand there. Well, great. I'll just start a conversation and nothing and nowhere because I know this kid belongs to make him feel comfortable and just to get with people, you know? It's like meet and greet. I can totally see that in you. 
and even in your your stage presence and and how you are with an audience and without an audience now like when we're talking i can just really hear that that you're you're all heart and i feel like i know you 100 years <laughs> <laughs> the scene goes back and it's in you uh, yeah and it's easy. Uh, it'll always be there you know because yeah. i i have heart and i want to thank guys like my 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 partner Asher you know, an agnostic front, my singer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that's a true guy to the scene. He never left the scene. He's got his solo band. He's got his car club. You know what I mean? They're like all like kind of like sailor's grave, you know, hardcore guys that like have fancy haircuts. You know, not Rods, you know those guys? Yeah, yeah. I call it sailor's grave. You know, they're still involved with the scene and you know, he gives back a lot, Rods. He's a good dad. He's got a you know, two new kids in Arizona. Great guy, man, you know, so he's a true one, you know. There's some, there are people out there, you know, like uh, my friend Alvarez from uh, uh, All, the band All. You know, oh, he's, sure, Carl, he's, yeah. He's like a, a real guy, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the Duke Brigade brothers, you know, the punk rock bowling out in Las Vegas coming up soon. We have friends all over the world that are, still true so there are people out there you know for the ones that left the ones that have gone away you know when they come back i got i got i'm having mixed emotions i'm like hey welcome back wow it's good to have you home on one hand and then on the other hand it's where where the hell were you for the last 25 years (laughs) you know what i mean so this is a belief we have you know hardcore you know it stems from like a punk rock hardcore so it's 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 a movement. It's the music, the movement, you know, the men, the women that are involved. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's certainly a lifestyle. It's a commitment to me. There's funny stories online about you, so I wanted to ask you: Did you save a child's life in Australia? Well, that was it. Was not that big of a deal, you know what I mean? He really got blown out of proportion. But yeah, it was nothing really. Well, what actually happened? I just read the kid. He, he really didn't even, like, you know, and he just ran away from his mom, like, two feet, you know? You know, me as a parent, I get scared. And But you and saw I a child that... I in Columbia, and I'm a fire walker, and I staged that backwards the other day. So, <laughs> you know, that, that, those things I'm proud of. Yeah, but ch- saving a child from getting hit by a speeding car, you could still be proud of that. Yeah, well, you know, I caught I caught two muggers in England, right in front of the place I was playing. Mm-hmm. I caught a mugger one year, and I was bragging, you know, and everything like that. She, I was standing in the same spot, and everybody was telling me, "Hey, Vinny, what are you here trying to catch another mugger?" And sure enough, another mugger happened, and I got him too. Really. I swear to God, twice in the same spot. <laughs> one was a mugger, and one was uh, uh, um, uh, someone was going to hit somebody. Someone was going to hit a little girl, like three little girls. Some guy come rolling up to them, and he was threatening them. And, and it was during the Olympics, and the cops were there in a minute. And I made sure both times they took my name, mm-hmm. just in case I was trying to get into the candy news, you know? Yeah. 
you know, Vinnie Stigma, hero of the day, you know? Well, yes, you should be commended for that. I kept going over the microphone, like, hey, don't forget, try to get an idea to that, everybody. You, know? you are a great uh, self-PR person, and your actions do actually really speak. Yeah. Talk to talk, you got to walk the walk. Yes, yes, for sure. Hey, I wanted to find out, um, can you name for me a couple of, like, your favorite songs of all time? Ooh, Victim in Pain. Power. I know they're my own songs. It's okay. My familiar, Madball, The Blitz, uh, Warriors. Ooh, the, the list will go on forever, you know? A lot of songs out there. I know I'll miss a lot. I like a lot of business. I like a lot of oi. I like The Last Resort. So is there anything else that you want the listeners to know, Vinny? Well, I just want to say thank you very much, because without you this interview wouldn't even be happening. And, and Diane, I want to thank you also for, you know, putting up with me, you know. <laughs> uh, anybody out there, you come to New York Hardcore Tattoos, come on down and, you know, we'll hang out. And it's there for you. CBGB's ain't there right now, but New York Hardcore Tattoos is there. So we got some kind of foothold here somewhere. And I want to, once again, I'd like to thank everybody and all the bands. And remember, hard and that concludes another podcast episode thanks for tuning in more on the way i am diane kamikaze check my twitter and instagram handle is one word diane kamikaze and kamikaze ends with an e on facebook you can find me as diane kamikaze farris rocker for life my regular wfmu program right now airs Thursdays, noon to 3 p.m. for an expanded version with lots of music, wisecracks, ticket giveaways, music news, and other fun stuff. Check me there. The full link to my index of WFMU programs, including podcasts and regular radio shows, is wfmu.org slash playlists slash DK. That's a capital D and a capital K. I'm going to be working on Encore Presentations. And I've got years of old interviews and podcasts. So if, the, if there is something that you'd like to see reposted, whether you missed it or whether you just loved it and want to hear it again, drop me a line at diane at wfmu.org and request that. Be sure to subscribe to the show if you like it. Please rate it and review it. And there you go, WFMU Peer Pressure. Thank you. See you next time.